have a bully inside your head telling you that you're not good enough? Do you lean towards self-defeat? Do you have trouble believing in yourself? And are you dying to learn how to become the perfect version of you? A you that you dream about? If you answered yes, then you're like me, and this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Journey to Worthy podcast, where we discuss self-esteem, worthiness, and transformation through a gay lens. I'm your host, Jeremy Long, and I want to share my journey with you. Welcome to the Journey to Worthy. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to another episode of Journey to Worthy podcast. This week, we have a special interview with my good friend, Peter. Peter is a singer and songwriter and phenomenal performer. He's come a long way from singing karaoke in the nightclubs all the way to his very own EP release coming this May 31st. Very exciting. So please tune into the interview where we talk about everything from overcoming substance abuse to channeling your creative energy, as well as a daily spiritual and meditation practice. And please check out some of his music. Here you go. All right. Welcome to another episode of Journey to Worthy Podcast. I've got a very special guest here. Say hello, everyone, to Peter. Say hello, Peter. Hi. So, Peter, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a uh, Polish-Canadian. I came to Poland uh, when I was really little, when I was four and a half. I lived in Toronto most of my life and um, finally came to Vancouver six years ago. Awesome. And uh, so you're a performer. (laughs) This is what we want to talk a little bit about your music. Tell us about how you've uh, come to where you are in music. Well, um, I went to an art high school. When I was little, I kind of picked up the keyboard and my mother already knew from a young age that I had an affinity to music. I Mm. was playing, creating little lyrics here and there, singing. Mm -hmm. uh, And, you know, through her insight, she decided to enroll me in the school. Um, I was taking piano lessons prior to that, so I was able to offer the high school a good audition piece because you have to audition to, to get into the school. Gotcha. Uh, finally, they accepted me. I actually couldn't take a class for piano, so I kind of bullshitted and said that I knew how to play clarinet, uh, <laughs> which I didn't. And so I, I managed to get in and uh, and stay in um, solely based on the fact that I got auditioned for this piano piece, and I had to. Yeah, I learned the clarinet all all on my own. It was quite quite lovely. Wow. Yeah, and then later on, I began uh, taking it a little more seriously. It wasn't until someone passed away in my life that I started to feel some deep things, and I felt like the best way to communicate those things um, at the time was through writing. Mm. And so I ended up writing one of my first songs, uh, complete songs called Over You. Wow. And uh, it was it was about about the death of a friend. Right. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, your time in your art school is really important to you and really sh- like shaped who you are today even when it comes to music. Absolutely. It was very pivotal. Well, the coming out process was a lot easier. Okay. Uh, because it was a high school, an, an art high school, so... Oh, that's fascinating. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Well, you know, I came out when I was 16. That's good. And it was quite funny because um, I came out to my mother in in a car. (laughs) We were arguing and um, I just wanted to shut her up because she was just irritating the hell out of me. I don't even know what she was arguing about. And um, so I just kind of blurted out that I was gay and then there was 
all of a sudden there was a silence in the car. And um, the next thing you hear from my mother is, shit, I missed my intersection. <laughs> and then there wasn't any speaking to me for about two two weeks or so. Because oh, uh, wow. she was just so shocked. She had to process everything. And I gave her time to process. Yeah. You have to understand that, you know... Uh, Polish. Polish, Catholic. You wow. know, my mother goes to church. Uh, my grandmother used to go to church every day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of those beliefs, I feel like, are instilled... Um, instilled into the social strata yeah, yeah. Of, of that culture. So, yeah, but then once, you know, she came around and, you know, she recognized that, you know, I was her son and she'd love me regardless. So right on. we were able to patch things up and um, and move on from there. But, yeah, the, the high school definitely played a really good role because, you know, I was really nervous telling my friends those are the first people that I spoke of mm-hmm. um, that I told them and they were like, okay, we knew already, you know, you know that, colloquial phrase that we usually get as gay, gay men we think that everyone you know we're hiding a Is dirty little secret yeah, they're gonna take it so rough and it's gonna be such a difficult coming up process exactly and then turns out it's like a piece of cake and no one cares yeah well and for some of us like obviously that is the case for some of us but a lot of people it's very culturally different and it's it's you can't even imagine people coming at, out absolutely yeah. you know i'm very fortunate yeah. we're both fortunate to be living in north america for absolutely that so that was your time in high school, and then you, when did you come to Vancouver? Like, how old were you? I, well, um, I'm 34 years young now. Oh. I'm, I was 28 when I came. Okay, so not uh, not that long, a couple no. of years. And I came because um, I had a bit of a, a substance use problem. Okay. Near the end of my uh, time in Toronto, I was in a really, really desolate place, using and drinking every week, sleeping with randos. Um, feeling really, really depressed and cut off from everyone and feeling really ashamed. And I feel like Mm. we need to open up a conversation around shame, I feel like, because it's, it's one of those weird emotions where it, you know, it really keeps you hiding. You know, that's what I noticed from, from my life. You know, I was so ashamed about where I was in my life and where I thought I should be that Mm. that there was such a discrepancy between those two um, ideas and I just felt like I didn't want to show myself to people mm-hmm. because I felt so awful. And I was using drugs to escape, right? Right. And of course, as we both know, that it wasn't a sustainable avenue. And it got to the point where I thought it was a good idea to pay my rent with my credit card, <laughs> uh, which happened. Thankfully, I was able to declare bankruptcy uh, years later once I sobered up. So that was like the most amazing thing that happened because that was really weighing on me quite a lot a long time but yeah it got to the point where i was i didn't have a home i was crashing at my friend's couch and i had no money i had no job yeah and nothing was keeping me in 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 toronto as far as i was concerned and my cousin's a flight attendant and she was living in richmond at the time Mm -hmm. and she uh she was there for about a year and she offered uh, a space at her place Right. And originally it was supposed to be just a, uh, a mini vacation just <laughs> to get away and get some perspective. And, um, it ended up being, um, a permanent, a permanent shift. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And it's, uh, through Vancouver that I was able to find recovery. Right. Uh, which I am so grateful for today. Right. It's really smoothed everything out. Right. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That, and that is part of why, obviously, that I wanted to have you on the Journey to Worthy podcast because, Everyone so far that's been on the show has overcome something in their life. And obviously, I've shared a lot about how 
in my life, my self-esteem has, you know, plummeted and then skyrocketed and then figured out along the way how to feel good about myself and overcome the obstacles and the challenges in my life. And I, I too, had a lot of shame. I like that you bring up shame because um, I read in Brene Brown, uh, Daring Greatly, she talks about shame and how a lot of people, when they do bad things, they think they're bad people. And I felt the same way for a long time, which is what I think keeps people under the influence of drugs and running to drugs and alcohol and not knowing how to stop that process because mm-hmm. they can't identify that they're actually not a terrible person. They're just doing some things that are not congruent with their values. And that could be for multiple reasons. For me, it was, you know, they say that addiction is sort of the solution to pain. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I had a lot of pain. But then I did a lot of bad things that made me feel like a bad person. Mm-hmm. And I think people, yeah, sometimes don't know how to overcome that, which is why partially like I started the podcast to help people, you know, to give a message of how can we overcome some of the stuff in our heads that's holding us back. And it could be as, you know, as bad as you or I, you know, drugs, you know, playing a role in our lives that's holding us back. Or it could be just someone that's, you know, has some low self-esteem or has this sort of sabotage, uh, saboteur in their head that, tells them that they're not good enough. Mm -hmm. So it's a big spectrum of like, how can we just feel better about ourselves? Absolutely. I, you raised a lot of key interesting points. Now, when I entered recovery, it was very important for me to not like, I didn't want to take on any labels right? because I really, I really felt in my heart that, uh, just because I was choosing recovery, it didn't mean anything other than that. And everyone has different isms that they use you know yeah. for one person it's drugs for one's person it's sex mm-hmm. someone could be uh, eating paint chips off the floor or someone shopping, could be gambling gambling you know yeah. we all have some weird weird um um <laughs> ways that we we try to to help us bring ourselves back into an alignment an alignment state yeah and um i think it all comes down as you mentioned to negative self-talk and negative yes. thinking yeah and i found that you know my whole journey uh, in recovery has all been about increasing my awareness of of knowing what actions am I taking that are in line with my values and mm-hmm. what actions am I taking that are not aligned. Yeah. And I noticed that the actions that are aligned with my values, there seems to be a delayed gratification there. So for instance, <laughs> I value health. So I, I made it a point in the morning to exercise. Right. We now, about that. I don't want to necessarily exercise in the morning. Sometimes <laughs> I wake up and I just don't feel like doing it. Yeah. But then I do it and I feel great that I did it after. Yeah. And then you have juxtaposed, you know, what happened today, which was like last night I picked out on a bunch of chips and chocolate. <laughs> and initially it felt, I guess, sort of good. Yeah. But then I had this you know, horrible effect of having low energy in the morning and feeling groggy and a bit depressed. Right. And, um, and that was definitely not in aligned with my value system. Right. So there, there's, there's an interesting connection there for sure. Right. I actually, one of the reasons I got sober this last time was I was in an ethics class and I was studying values mm-hmm. and I was looking at my values and thinking, Oh, I wrote down what my, what I thought my values were. And they were like health and, you know, responsibility and a few other things that I looked at my life and it was not matching up, mm-hmm. you know, and I realized like, wow, I'm not living up to what I want in my life. So that's what really led me to looking at my life and being like, you need some changes, you know? So, Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, so we talked a little bit about recovery. So I'm, I wanted to know a little bit more about like, what, what is it that 
has gotten you to where you are now, maybe other than just recovery, like what's some of the, the work that you've done? I mean, you've come so far, like you've talked about coming from Toronto, um, having substance abuse issues, and now you're a performer and you're building yourself up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, I've seen you perform and it's just phenomenal. Like you, you exude confidence and high self-esteem. And I know that it, it's probably taken some time to get to where you are now. Mm-hmm. So what's some of the work that's been really important for you? I think that, you know... When I sobered up, I really felt like there was a lot of time that I lost. Mm -hmm. And I was really obsessed about, you know, getting to a specific state, Mm -hmm. uh, a specific state of wealth, a specific uh, state of success regarding my my music. And I recognized that the only reason why I wanted those things was that I thought that in the having of them, I would have a greater capacity uh, for love and confidence. Right. So I recognized that it was going about it the wrong way because yes, yes, I, it's, it's important to go after your goals, right? But you have to have a right mindset about it, right? Success to me is those incremental changes that occur over time, right? It's not getting, you know, on the stage in the Rogers arena, <laughs> you know, being, uh, you know, um, a frontliner for Lady Gaga. It's not that. <laughs> it's, you know, those little wins, like habituating, learning to meditate, right. being a little nicer to yourself, right. you know, being a little nicer to other people and habituating that. Right. You know what I mean? So that was really important. It was really important for me to recognize in relation to recovery mm-hmm. that just because I had a feeling does not mean that I had to act under that feeling. That was really important. Oh, mm-hmm. You know, I felt like when I got into recovery, I was a wild creature. Mm. I was very ruled by my id. Whatever I wanted, I, I gave myself. And I thought that that was, you know, I thought that was self-care. And I recognized that because of this distinction between values, I, I was a very pleasure-centered person. I think a lot of people are. Yeah. And it's understandable. You know, pleasure feels good. It right? does. But when you're trying to please yourself because you're feeling bad. That's a, that's a different way of going about it. Well, so it's masking it. Exactly. Yeah. When you're compensating for feeling bad, like, have you ever had a nice meal, like a really, really amazing meal and mm-hmm. you ate it and you felt really good about it? You know, we've all had experiences like that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then think about the time that, you know, we ate when we were trying to fill a void. Oh God. Not as much pleasure. <laughs> There's not, a, not as well, much pleasure Well, and then you don't even realize that you've eaten all the, the whole bag of chips and you're like, where did I just ate that? Exactly. And it's like, you know, it's mindless. Exactly. When we're using something to compensate for feeling something else yeah. or when we're trying to shift, it's not as pleasurable. Yeah. You know, so I recognize that within myself. My model right now is freedom through discipline. So mm. I meditate in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I've begun... A meditation practice. I started at 30 minutes. Yeah. And then I worked up to an hour. I'm so impressed by that. Like an hour a day mm-hmm. of meditation. That is very disciplined. So mm-hmm. kudos to you. That's Thank amazing. You. And you know what? My meditation practice started even before my um, substance abuse stuff started. Right. I was always a seeker. I always wanted to know what separated the people from, from uh, what separated people. What was the X factor that right. made people like Oprah? cover, uh, you know, overcome, 
uh, so much adversity and then yet be this juggernaut of, of social change and positivity while other people have experienced other, other misfortunes, other traumas yeah. and they've never recovered. You know, they've never, they've never gone beyond that. Yeah. You know, to me, it seems like it's, it's definitely a mindset. Yeah. You know? That's, I feel like sometimes I look at my own life and that's part of the podcast is, uh, how do I overcome my own beliefs, my mm -hmm. own mindset in order to believe like, yes, you're capable of going far. Uh, for a long time, I didn't believe that, you know, mm -hmm. and so the podcast is part of that. And this conversations like this, you know, where we talk about how can you change your mindset? How can mm -hmm. someone see that they are capable of so much more than they know currently? Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's really important to be aware, like I said prior, is that, you know, when we are moving through cycles, because life goes through cycles, you know, we have yeah. high moments, we have low moments Yeah. in meditation. The idea of the observer is discussed in length. So, yeah, do you want to explain what that means absolutely. to the people that don't know? Absolutely. So you have the thinking mind, the narration. So the thinking mind is just like, I I see the world this way. This is my perspective. Yeah, if we were to stop talking right now, the thinking mind would start saying, oh, it's a little cold here. I want some food. Yeah. Mm, that shirt looks nice. Yeah. I hope we're doing well here. You know, like <laughs> it, it would just have, It just sort of happens. It has this dialogue that, that's constantly running the show. Right. If we begin observing mm -hmm. the fact that we're having these ideas, then you have to ask yourself, if I'm observing the narrator... Right. Then who is really observing the narrator? Who's observing the thinking? Yeah, because if I'm not my thinking, how am I the observer exactly. observer observing the thinking? Exactly. It's, it's like layers. It's, it's like taking a, a float outside of your body to look down at yourself thinking. Exactly. Right. And I believe that that observer that doesn't judge and is just pure awareness. Right. That's who we really are. Oh, I like that. Right. Yeah. And. If we identify with that more, then that's how we build power in my mind. Right. Because. Because then you're not reacting emotionally to things. Absolutely. We have in this culture, there's any, you know, you have to look in the, look in the language and you'll see where people believe what people believe. Right. Oftentimes you hear, I'm sad. I'm angry. Right. You know, you're not sadness. You're not anger. It's an you're, experience. You're feeling anger. Right. And even in that statement, you are feeling anger. You know? So there's a you, and then there's the anger. Right. And if you're separate, so wow. if you're looking at anger, if you're looking at an emotion, or you're looking at an idea, then automatically you've separated yourself from that idea. You've disidentified from it. Uh -huh. and I think most of our pain comes from the fact that we identify so much with the ideas in our thoughts. Like for instance, this table that we, we are seeing right now that you're tapping that I'm tapping. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps tapping the table for listeners. <laughs> Sorry if I threw your thoughts. It's okay. It's, it's totally okay. fine. I, I'm, I'm musical. I'm yeah, musical. you are. You're, you're animated. I love I'm, it. I'm always animated. Yeah. Um, so you have this table. So, mm -hmm. The word that we have for this table is table. Right. Right. But if we were to remove that, that label mm -hmm. and we just observe the table as it is, you know, what would we see? You know, so it's, it's, it's kind of like looking at life in a different perspective, mm -hmm. in an unfiltered way. Right. You know what I'm saying? When I look at this table without the word table, you know, I see wood. I see 
stability. Uh-huh. You know, I see a lot of intention, a lot of different intentions. Right. So I like looking at life in this way because it forces me to kind of reset where I'm at. Right. There was a lovely um, a saying in Japan. Um, it's not really a saying. It's more of a kind of like a parable. And um, there was um, a, a master and a student. Okay. And the student wanted to learn what the master knew. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the student was like, please tell me all your ancient wisdom. Right. And he's like, he asked, where, where are you? He's like, how is this relevant? Mm. He's like, where are you? Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm in the temple. He's like, where is the temple? He's like, in Tokyo. <laughs> Where's Tokyo? In Japan. I don't understand this. Right. Where's Japan? In Asia. Right. Where's Asia? The globe. Where's the globe? In the solar system. Where's the solar system? In the universe. Right. Where's the universe? I don't know. <laughs> And then he laughs and goes, oh, so you don't really know where you are, you know? Yeah. I love that. And that's a, a true uh, speak to mindfulness and to and to questioning the universe, questioning your reality, who you are and where you are. Yeah. I like that a lot. I th- It just helps reset what we think we know. We're never, bo- I, I really truly believe we're never really bothered by the event in front of us. It's always the way that we perceive the event that really causes a lot of suffering. And more so it's the identification mm. of the, our beliefs about this event right. that causes a lot of suffering. Yeah. I think that when you mentioned something too, when it comes to, to bring it back to meditation too, for anyone that's new at meditation, is that observer when, you know, for me, like uh, thoughts come up, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so when I see the thought as like, oh, you know, I'm, what am I going to, I have to do this. I have a deadline tomorrow mm-hmm. or something. And if I, and I feel that and all of a sudden I get a little bit stressed while I'm trying to be meditating here. But if I can say like, oh, that's my mind seeing a bunch of stuff that I need to do tomorrow, but I don't need to do that right now. Mm-hmm. And to separate that as an, it's a thought that came up and to, yeah, acknowledge it and then let it on go, let it just pass on by. Absolutely. That's such a big thing that I think people, they are those feelings like that a feeling of anxiety. It's like, that is my existence for a few mm-hmm. seconds. But it doesn't need to be. Exactly. And even labeling uh, these biological sensations, Mm. that's what emotions are. They're just a bunch of sensations. And so even removing that that label, anxiety, because we often tend to cluster emotions into two groups. They either feel good or they feel bad. Oh, interesting. Right? But what if we were to recontextualize those seemingly bad emotions? Right. Is crying bad? No. Well, sometimes that's a release. Yes. You know? Yes. Sometimes it's a release. So why would we label it bad? Yeah. You know? Uh, is fear bad? Well, it, you know, it, well, I've, I've heard acronyms, false evidence appearing real. Yeah. yeah fear or like uh, face everything and recover. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, so there's different spinoffs of, of, of these emotions that we can access. Right. And, um, and I think looking at that, and recontextualizing that helps one move through those feelings a lot quicker. Because I feel like we get stuck when we say no. When we resist, we get stuck. Yeah. And when we say yes, we expand, we lean into it. And I find that emotions, when we lean into those emotions, we actually allow them to move through us a lot quicker. Right. Instead of letting them hold us back. That's right. 
So we sort of talked a lot about, I love, I love the topic of meditation and self-development. So I appreciate your insight into that. And mm -hmm. we have wonderful conversations, which is also something that I was excited to have you on the show because mm -hmm. we, we connect on that spiritual level, mm -hmm. which is wonderful. I'm just curious. I know we talked about addiction. You haven't always been where you are here, the spiritual plane. Uh, what are some of the, maybe what are some of the failures that have led you to where you are now? And perhaps you don't currently see them as failures, but at the time you might have. What I mentioned before about racing to that finish line. Right. So I'm an artist. I've always wanted to live a really full life, a big life. <laughs> and I thought that a big, big aspect of that was to have a lot of money, right. a lot of glam, darling, lot of glam, property, glam, uh, doing shows every week, those big record contracts, uh, interviews galore, just living that bravado rock and roll lifestyle. Right. And what I noticed is that this ideal prevented me from connecting with other people because I, I didn't allow myself to connect with other people because I felt like I had to work to get to where I was going, that I was late, that I had to, you know, sacrifice all these connections, mm -hmm. you know, and I recognized that it's through people that life becomes really rich. Awesome. I didn't know that before. Mm. And I robbed myself from a lot of wonderful uh, connections, you know, I was not present in many people's lives mm -hmm. because I was too hurt and too ashamed of where I was and really pressed and anxious to get to that space as fast as humanly possible. Because you see it, you saw it as a solution to that, that feeling of pain. Exactly. And I <clears throat> when I really broke it down, when I really assessed what do I think am I going to gain from this? What, what mm. am I going to gain? The, the answer that I got from, you know, my contemplation was self-approval. Yeah. And I was like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. I have to go through all these hoops and I might not even get there. And the whole goal is to approve of myself. Yeah. Well, that's ridiculous. How, what, what brought you to that realization though? Because some people, I feel, chase that for years. And they think, if I just get here, I'm going to feel good enough. Mm -hmm. If I just graduate, oh my gosh, my life will be better. If I just get that job, that husband, that, you know, all these things, if I finally get what I want, that's when, I'll, that's when I've arrived, when I'm, be, that's success, mm -hmm. that's happiness. There was a book that really changed my life. Okay. Uh, the book is called Ask and It Is Given. Okay. It's by Esther and Jerry Hicks. Okay. Esther, she doesn't, you know, speak of herself as a channel, but she does channel a collective energy. Awesome. At first, you know, it sounds a little pie in the sky crazy, <laughs> but when you read this book or when I read it at the time, I had a lot of people telling me, you know, negative, negative ideas about myself. And I internalized a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And when I came across this book, the syntax of it was so warm. Mm. It didn't feel like it was coming from a human. It felt like it was coming from some otherworldly place. It really did feel like God was talking to me in this book. And it spoke about the law of attraction. It spoke about the fact that we create reality through our thinking mm -hmm. and that our emotions 
are essentially a guidance system, a GPS, if you will. On one end, you have appreciation and love and gratitude. Mm-hmm. And on one and the other end, you have fear and depression. And there's all these, uh, all these emotions in between, mm-hmm. right? That, um, form this gradient, you know? And where I currently am, wherever my set point is, that's an indicator of what I'm thinking. Okay. So whatever I'm thinking, whatever I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing in my reality is always a match. That's what this book taught me. And so the premise of the book was the only reason why you want anything is that you think you're going to feel good in the having of it. So if you learn and find a way to feel good now, Mm. then you have, you have everything you want in that moment, you know, because when I was, when I felt good, I didn't need anything. Yeah. I was filled up. I didn't need to chase that ideal. I was on my way. Right. You know? And so I guess my life, most of my life has been endeavoring to find out how to do that. And then I spent a lot of time writing gratitude lists and trying to get to that state. And I failed many times. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I always wanted, and I was frustrated to the point where I just, you know, Put it aside for a little while, and then I listened to one of their, uh, one of Abraham's um, YouTube videos on self appreciation, okay. and that's kind of where uh, it sprouted a lot of discovery and research into you know self help. I'm sorry, into self love and appreciation of yeah. self. Yeah. According to them, you know, you could want all these beautiful things, you know, perfect partner, a loving relationship with your friends, money health, all of that. If you don't love yourself, you know, then you're not up to speed with the manifestations that you want because the manifestations that you want exist in another frequency in a higher frequency. If you don't love yourself, then you don't, your, the frequencies don't match, Mm -hmm. you know? So, it's important to start there, to start with self-appreciation. How do you do that? Well, I think a big part of it is the first part is to make peace with where you are. Oh, I like that. Self-acceptance. Right. You know, I'm, I'm okay where I am. And also to recognize the difference between, you know, unconditional love and just approving, approving of yourself. Right. Because, You know, I notice in my life that, you know, I have a judging mind. Mm. My mind judges, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it also, there's approval there too. So like if something good happens, then my brain's like, oh, that's good. That's a good thing for you. So I feel good. But if those goods are all external and then they start shifting and like life is all about, you know, the cycles of life. It will not always be, you're not, you're not always going to sustain that high top feeling. No. Right. And so if your uh, feeling of well-being is contingent upon those things around you, well, Mm -hmm. the boyfriend's going to come, you're going to feel good. The boyfriend's going to leave. You're going to feel terrible. The money's going to come. You're going to feel good. The money leaves. You'll feel terrible and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. Right. But when you, are able to love no matter what condition. Mm-hmm. I think that's when you tap into something really powerful. Mm-hmm. I remember a story that happened last last summer. I was performing with my friend, mm-hmm. 
uh, he was uh, he's my uh, accompanist on the piano and I was singing and we had a three hour gig at a, at a farmer's market okay and we went there and half an hour into a performance we had equipment failure oh, no. thankfully there was a, a Lee's music store uh, maybe two blocks we found ourselves running back and forth uh, trying to you know get the right cables oh no it was a bit of a shit show <laughs> finally we got back just in time to play two or three songs right so we pretty much you know we weren't able to play for the three hours we only managed to play for 45 minutes as a result of that, we walked into, we went to an Evo and we were on our way home. We were on Georgia Street yeah. and we were uh, living in, uh, we, were, we both live in the West End. And so we're going around uh, along Georgia on the Evo and we noticed that there was no left turn to actually get into the West End. So we got spit out onto the Lionsgate Bridge and then we were in North Vancouver. Right. It takes you farther away, way far away Super from where you want to go. Yeah. So now uh, my, my friend Sean is like cussing and swearing because he's in an <laughs> Evo, and we see all the the, the gridlock uh, on the other direction. Oh, no. So we would be in this Evo for like a long time, an extra half an hour at least. Exactly, and we didn't want to pay all that. And but something inside me felt that the moments where you know something weird happens, something that seemingly seems to not be part of the plan, <laughs> yeah. is actually part of the plan. So right. I ended up looking at this with an optimistic angle. And I was really observant as to what gifts are coming. I just had this feeling that some something's happening, something's showing me something. Yeah. Uh, so it's funny because Sean had the opposite effect. Sean, Sean had the usual reaction that I would have, and then I had this, you know, a Pollyanna reaction. <laughs> and so what happened is we went to Queens Key. And while we were there, I said, you know what? We've only performed for 45 minutes. We have our gear. Why don't we perform? So we go to Queens Key and there's this beautiful stage. It seemed like it was made for us. There was no one there, so we performed on the stage. Oh, wow. And there was a lovely man sitting in this chair smiling. And he was listening to about 30 minutes of our music. And then finally he he got up and he dropped a 20 in our basket. Wow. And he was black. And I kept saying, I, I'm very cheeky when I'm when I'm um, on stage. And you I was are. like, I like my men like I like my coffee, dark and rich. <laughs> <laughs> and he turned around. He's like, well, I'm not gay, but I happen to be uh, the executive producer of the Grammys. And I really, really appreciated what you performed. Keep wow. at it. So that was once he said that I recognized why that happened. Yeah. This event happened to show me him. Wow. And so life happens like that all the time yeah. if we're just open to it. Yeah. You know, it's not always easy. I'm not always like that. You know, no, me too. Me you know, too. but you know, it's a really good example. And it's one of these experiences that is, that is with me now that I can recall to help me be a little more optimistic and a little more open minded. You can tap into it. Yeah. Cause when we judge a moment uh, from the get go. Yeah. We we pigeonhole it to that, mm -hmm. but it's so much more. If we pay more attention to those moments, who knows what will happen? Well, even just to be open to that, maybe this could be something that's going to happen that's good. Um, I think that people shut down the optimist. Mm -hmm. I have, I, I feel in most of areas of my life now, I've overcome a lot, and I am quite an optimist. But sometimes people don't, they don't get it. Well, same with you with your music. Obviously, there must be some tough times that you've had to go through when it Absolutely. comes to music. But, you know, for me, when I feel negative emotion, it's really a wellspring for me to um, utilize creatively. 
And I find some of my most um, amazing works are done from places of pain. of deep sorrow and pain. Yeah. And this is my process. You know, it's really a cathartic process for me. It's a healing process for me. So... Have you overcome that negative self-talk like we talked about in order to keep going? Like this, this must be something that's taken you a while to believe like I'm capable of this. Yes. Well, it, there are little steps. I um, initially, I, I spent about two years kind of waffling over the idea of whether I wanted to do this, but right. the urge never went away. Right. And so I started, Ooh, that's key. The urge never went away. So um, for me, that is, you know, my, my, my gut is my God so mm. to speak, you know? So when I'm inspired to do something, to me, that's an indicator that I'm, then that's my path, Yeah. you know? And of course it's scary in the sense that, you know, like sometimes I think what deters me most often is this idea that like, I need to get a career. I need to get a real career. I need to get <laughs> something that pays me more, you know? Right. But I really truly believe that if I am brave enough to walk this path, this path that feels good to me, mm -hmm. then all will be well, all will be taken care of. Yeah. And I really, really, truly believe that. And Okay, so we've talked a little bit about um, meditation and daily spiritual practice and mindset, which has been really huge, um, and overcoming uh, you know, the challenges from addiction. But what about the challenges from, you said that coming out was very easy for you. Have you had any struggles when it comes to being part of a queer community or your own, coming into your own, feeling confident in your own sexuality? Absolutely. It's one of these ideas. Well, this is the one of the realms of my life that I still find a bit of a challenge. I can be quite shy. It may not seem that way on stage because mm -hmm. I put on that, you know, that extroverted uh, performer comes out of me mm -hmm. when I'm on stage. When I'm off stage, I, I tend to be, uh, you know, slightly more reserved. And, um, you know, I was always a soft speaker, um, more soft and sensitive. And I always thought that was a deficit mm -hmm. for so long. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't embrace that, that, um, that softness, that tenderness. And I remember my cousin who was, gorgeous woman and she would always be looked at in a specific way by her her boyfriends and other men and I was always really jealous about that mm -hmm. to the point where I was considering whether I was trans or not but you know I'm, I'm not um, I can definitely see myself as gender fluid right um, they and them would be adequate pronouns to describe me but I'm not I, I wouldn't be opposed to him or she. It, it doesn't really matter to me. Like, it, I wouldn't be offended either way. Because mm -hmm. um, I know that I express as a man. I express as a man. Right. But, um, so yeah, I always had this incredible urge to be, to be appreciated for the, for that soft, that tender, that feminine energy. Right. And so, Good for you. yeah. And so it wasn't until I began doing drag and I performed, um, once here in Vancouver and I, you know, danced and I sang and I was in full costume, tits, heels, everything. Yeah. And, uh, and I saw what a positive response that had yeah. with people, but more so I found that for the first time I was letting out these these effeminate movements and they were actually part of 
this this character that I was putting yeah, on. Yeah, your persona at it, that time. Exactly. It shifts. Exactly. I've done drag too, and, it, and it's something that happens naturally. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy with this movement that's going on with RuPaul and RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, because it's, I've talked about it quite a bit on the show, actually. Yeah, because it's, 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 it's really highlighting, you know, the fact that, you know, one can stand in both genders, yeah. and there's power in both. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For a lot of the time, I always felt that because I appreciated masculine, masculine men, that because, you know, we were all gay, gay people would automatically appreciate masculine men. So therefore, I didn't fit into the equation, right. you know, but it wasn't anything other to do than my own denial of my femininity and seeing my femininity as a deficit. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't until drag, but, you know, drag allowed me to express more uh, creatively, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, when it comes to my writing, that is definitely comes, comes from that sensitivity that I have. Right. Um, so now I see it as, as, um, as a, val- as a, as a valuable part of me. Right. I still struggle with it at times in the dating scene for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm at that point where I, I, I wish to date just yet. Right. In and good re- for you for knowing that's where yeah. you're at. In my recovery, I think it's appropriate that I stay abstinent from that for a little while. And I know the time will come. And when the time comes, I'll be ready for it and, and it will be great. Exactly. Right. I think that you brought up an interesting point when it comes to uh, accepting your own femininity. I struggled with that a lot. I felt like a little femme kid in a country town, and I struggled a lot with that. But now I know my vulnerability, my sensitivity, and my softness is probably my biggest strength. And it's something that I know people appreciate about me. Um, especially when it comes to being vulnerable and speaking candidly about my life and my experiences, especially here on this podcast. And if I had a message for anyone that was young, it would definitely be to just don't be afraid to be just who you are and not to worry about comparing yourself to everyone else. Because growing up in the gay scene in Vancouver, like I, I was in the party club scene and muscles, you know, masculinity, like that's mm-hmm. what people were striving to be. And I'm just being so afraid to be me. Yeah, that's such a interesting concept. <laughs> Accepting who you are and just going with it. I was serving um, a student from UBC, and she was looking at. She was in a gender studies course, mm-hmm. and she was looking at gender from a biochemical point of view. Interesting. And she was looking at rather than male or female testosterone-based personalities and estrogen-based personalities. Oh, that's interesting, because that fluctuates a lot between both sexes. Exactly. Yeah, or all sexes, I should say. Exactly. Um, and they they looked at estrogen, estrogen-based personalities, and they noticed that estrogen-based personalities were more about community and connecting, mm. right? And um, testosterone-based personalities are more geared towards um, getting a goal and getting an aim. Okay. And uh, I thought that was a pretty interesting look into into, into gender, hmm. for sure. Because, like you said, we definitely have both of these um, hormones inside of us. Yeah, everybody degree. does. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a few moments ago, and I wanted to come back to it, uh, if you are brave enough 
that you can have what you want or something. You said something like that. I just wanted to ask you, do you feel like you're, you're brave? I think in some respects, yes, I feel like I am brave. Mm -hmm. I think in other areas of my life, I could use a little bit more bravery. Okay. And really that comes down to being able to feel the fear Mm -hmm. and to act despite the fear. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes I notice that when I do that, when I do act despite the fear, I end up feeling really, really good afterwards. Mm -hmm. And again, it comes down to that value-based decisions that always has a delayed effect. Positive effect, yeah. You know, in a book I read once, the easy way becomes the hard way. And Mm -hmm. the hard way becomes the easy way. And this is... um, Those those ideas really stuck with me. It was around the first few months of my sobriety. And I recognized that, you know, this recovery journey hasn't been easy. I've had to confront a lot of fears about myself. Ugly ways of behaving, ugly ways of thinking. And challenging mindsets. Absolutely. But I recognized that the payment that I that I pay for my recovery and for living a good life is just being able to walk through feelings and not give in to cravings, not give in to that impulsiveness. Mm. And if I can do those two things, then I essentially can master my life to some degree. Right. You know, if you can get up when you want to sit down and sit down when you want to get up and listen when you want to speak. Right. You know, you are endeavoring to master your life, you know, and I think that's very, very cool. That's a good um, motto for people that are trying to accomplish something difficult and trying to take a leap of faith, Mm -hmm. for example, with music or any creative endeavor, writing a podcast, you know, it's about getting up when you said you were going to get up and doing the thing that you said you were going to do. You know, because you you see the bigger picture, the goal, the mm-hmm. the the desire for that success and whatever that might look like for you, mm-hmm. um, and especially with music, you know, I can imagine as a young person that's trying to believe in themselves that they're capable of being a successful musician. It means being available for those gigs when you want to be hanging out with your friends, mm-hmm. you know, and it means it, there is an element of sacrifice. Sacrifice, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Do you have any suggestions for someone that's new, uh, maybe someone that's young and is realizes that they have a passion for music or for performance? And what would your tips be to someone that maybe is struggling with, I don't know if I can do that. I'm a little bit afraid. Well, fear is definitely common. I would get into the habit of if they're accomplishing little fears at a time. Right. You know, so like listing all the things that you're scared of in that particular area to do and then finding the least the, the, least, the, scary. the least scary one and then doing it right. and then finding the other one that's least scary and then doing it and sooner or later you create this momentum in your life mm. and that's kind of what I did so what would that look like for someone maybe like performing in front of their family and then performing in front of a few friends absolutely you know even if it's karaoke and then maybe it's you know getting some recording equipment and listening to your own voice. Absolutely. Yeah. Little things, right? Little things like that. As you go through, through the path, you will encounter all these things and 
you know, the more you do them, the more normalized they become. Mm. You know, no one gets it right the first time. Mm. We're always failing forward, you right. know, and it's not really failure because we're just moving. We're always improving. If you always look at that from that mindset that you're always improving, you can never fail. Right. You can never fail. Don't do it for the money initially. That's that's another thing. Okay. Don't focus on the money. Focus on the joy. Whatever you're doing that that is giving you a lot of joy, just do more of that, mm. and your ideas will evolve from there. You know, if you enjoy going out on stage and performing, then just do a lot of open mics. Busking was a big thing for me. I was scared oh. to busk last year. I started doing it for the first time. Wow. And up until that point, I was scared. I was scared. And um, once I did it, it got easier and easier to do it. Mm -hmm. And then, and you know, I've had some backlashes. So, so, you know, people on, like when you perform indoors, it's different than performing outdoors because no one's really asking for your music when you're performing outdoors. <laughs> So you get a lot of real responses, Wow! you know, but I think the biggest fear is this idea that we won't be able to survive the, the, the situations that occur in our lives. Like if we feel rejected, we're not going to be able to handle a rejection. The truth is you'll be able to handle it. You'll be able to handle anything, you know? Um, you just have to give yourself the permission to try and you give yourself the permission to fail. When I said, what if this moment, this, you know, perceived negative experience, what if it's actually supposed to happen? Exactly. What if it's supposed to lead you to the next right thing? Exactly. Like, take for instance, like a vacuum salesman. He goes door to door, to door and gets rejected constantly. <laughs> Eventually he'll come to a point where he knows how to maneuver or slalom past that those rejections he sees it in a different way mm. he sees it as not no but not now and finds other more interactive clever ways mm -hmm. he always asks how can i make this experience better how can i what what else can i do he tries different points of view he tries different ideas and eventually he gets to a point of you know relaxation he doesn't mm -hmm. see the rejection as a rejection for him. He just says he sees it as, you know, a rejection that they don't want the vacuum. And uh, he creates this fluidity and eventually he gets to a point where he starts selling, you know. Mm -hmm. But that happens over time. Same with, the, you know, an artist, you know. They can go to someone and they get rejected and they get rejected. I don't know. I think J.K. Rowling got rejected like 36 times, I think. I feel like it was more. Yeah. I think it was more, you know. Yeah. So don't let rejection, you know, rejection is part of the process. Right. You know, embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. It helps weed out the people who really want it versus the people who are just doing it for the wrong reasons. I see. Because, because you have to be okay with it. Absolutely. And the, if the urge is there always, if the, the urge always exists mm. for you. It's still there. You keep pursuing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you know something's right because you just can't stop thinking about it and you have to do it, that's yeah. when you should keep pursuing. Yeah, that's a sign that that's part of your life's work. Cool. Right? I like that a lot. Yeah.
So moving forward, what's what's next for you in the big world of music? Well, I have a EP uh, release party coming right May thirty first at XY. Excellent. Um, and that's going to be great. It's a seven song EP. Um, I'm talking to a boutique label right now okay. uh, about potentially collaborating with them. Wow. I have a DJ remixing one of my singles. Great. And, uh, yeah, and hopefully more shows in the summer. Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to showcasing this music to people. I think people will really like it. Awesome. I like it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I've watched you perform, and you, you get people so involved, and you, you carry us through your journey, and you share a message, you know, and I feel like I hear your story every time I see you perform. Yeah. Yeah, and you. you come off as extremely confident and, and excited you. to share, you know, and that that's, I don't see that with a lot of people. It's fascinating. Well, I truly am, and I think that, again, having not allowed myself to do it for so long. Right. I think the blessing was that I come at it through a renewed, like a, a passionate eye. Yeah. You know, it's like I've spent maybe 10 years holding, you know, this gift inside. And now it's finally kind of blossoming and I'm, it's meeting people, Yeah. you know, and people are having reactions like the other, the other, um, day when I was performing at a show, I had a lady come up to me and she was crying. Wow. She was so touched by my music and I never had someone come up to me and sob in my arms. Yeah. Like that was a very new experience for me. And, you know, she was apologizing and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, there's no need to apologize here. Like right. I'm totally affirmed by your emotions at this point. Right. You know, it was very affirming. And, Throughout my career, I have these little interactions with people mm -hmm. um, in the city who've either heard me busking yeah. or heard me performing or, or or they saw me on Instagram or whatnot. Right. And it's it's lovely. It keeps you going. It, it does keep you going. It keeps you believing like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Absolutely. I've been having a little bit of that with the podcast too. I had someone reach out to me. Uh, Larry from Toronto, he just reached out and, you know, he said that he's, you know, in his sixties and has struggled with self-esteem and self-worth and how much the podcast really impacted him in a positive way. And so that was the moment for me too, mm -hmm. where I got to, you know, really appreciate like, okay, this, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This feels good. You know, something, someone's getting something from this. Mm -hmm. uh, so I really, I'm, I'm happy to hear those those things from people it's i hope great feeling. i hope that more people you know reach out and let me know if this is uh giving you something uh absolutely is important yeah uh so w what is it going to take for you to go above and beyond in the next you know few months few years what are the characteristics you're going to need to uh really hold on to for me um i'm i'm a big thinker mm-hmm I'm a big planner and sometimes I procrastinate in my planning. Uh, so the motto for me is just do it. Nice. Just do it. Mm -hmm. um, if it's under five minutes, if the task is under five minutes, just do it now. Right. Don't wait. Right. Build momentum. And so that's at the forefront of my mind. Yeah. Some days are, again, are easier than others. Yeah. You know, sometimes social engagements or whatnot, you know, take precedence or they, you know, you know, spontaneously you end up saying goodbye to your planner that day and then if you do something else. So yeah, it's, it's really about 
making sure there's a consistency in, in the activities that I do. Right. Um, definitely moving and reaching out to bloggers, reaching out to publications yeah. so that people know of my music and just booking gigs. Yeah. Yeah. The more gigs I book, the better. And, uh, and yeah. And from there, I'm sure I'll be guided into doing more work. Right. More, more, more writing, more writing for other people, etc. Ride the wave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like it's coming for you for sure. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I want to champion you. I want to know, like, I want to tell you, really, it's so impressive to watch you again perform and to be in the public eye mm -hmm. and um, to just, yeah, just to do what you do and to get up on stage. And it is about being vulnerable. And um, yeah, you have an amazing, amazing voice. Thank you. Yeah. So I can't wait to hear more. I can't wait for uh, your EP launch release. And I can't wait to have a physical album in my hand one day soon, I hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to be very exciting. Um, they'll be present at the event. Awesome. Perfect. That's so exciting. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. And I've seen you grow. You weren't always like this. Mm -hmm. So uh, for anyone that's out there listening, like I, I've watched Peter have a transformation when it comes to the way you hold yourself and the way that you look toward life. Uh, and I think that that's part of recovery. I think that's part of self-work, mm -hmm. a daily practice, Absolutely. you know, um, seeking more, seeking more knowledge and education and reading books and, um, you know, self-development and talking to people and being vulnerable. This week I learned a lesson about asking for help. I had a bad week. I had some stuff happen. Um, someone I knew, he, he killed himself and that was a struggle and I didn't want to reach out. I know that it's important to reach out, but I didn't at that moment. I didn't know how to at that moment uh, and to face some other, other stuff of my own, my own personal stuff. So really being honest and reaching out and asking for help, you know, and I think that that takes an element of vulnerability as well. And I've watched you do that, you know, so sometimes we, we can't do this alone. That's, that's my biggest message to people. I think on this podcast is you are not alone. And there's other people that have been through things, sometimes the same, sometimes similar, sometimes tougher, uh, that can help help you walk through really tough experiences in your life. Mm -hmm. I think we're all really, we're social creatures. Yeah. You know, we crave connection. Yes. You know, I'm an extrovert, so I definitely crave, crave connection Me too. energy. I get a lot of energy from people, which is why I'm so animated. On on um, on the stage, right? Kind of drunk on that energy that the crowd is giving me. <laughs> it is quite intoxicating. I bet. Um, but anyone really, I feel like, have really autonomous autonomized ourselves. We have our own little cubicle that we work in. We have our own little house that we live in. We have our own gadgets, and we really kind of we have an independence, right? But in in a way, we've kind of segregated ourselves in a, in a way right mm. and sometimes it's hard to reach out and to connect with people yeah on the street you know there's a lot of avert gazes you know no one yeah, wants that to awkward look at that. awkward elevator moments where yeah. everyone just pulls out their phone and no one says hello to each exactly, other exactly right and i feel like i want to change that i want to be the agent that shakes that up a little bit yeah. you know yeah. We need more people that do that. I think so. Yeah. If you had to go tomorrow, if this was, this is it for you, yeah. what would your message, what would, what would be the message you would want to pass down to young people in the queer community about what you've learned in your life? I would say that 
your happiness is in direct proportion to how much you love. Mm. Don't ask to be loved. Be more loving. When you're more loving, you don't even question whether people love you. Because mm. you're already filling yourself up with that love. And that love naturally wants to move out from you. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a rough space, just know that it's not permanent. You know? And then it will pass. And apply self-acceptance to that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, just be aware. Beautiful. That's great. Um, so how can how can people get a hold of you? Or how can they where can they go to find your stuff? Well, right now I have um some music on SoundCloud. Awesome. They can go to P-I-O-T-R dot music. Excellent. On SoundCloud. And uh P-I-O-T-R uh, music on Bandcamp as well. Awesome. So I have some music there available. They can find me on Facebook, P-I-O-T-R, my own Facebook page. Great. And on Instagram, I'm at P-I-O-T-R dot music. So Peter dot music. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And people can uh, reach out to you and ask you questions about how you got to where you are. And, Absolutely. And feel free to connect with Peter to uh, ask him to book gigs. He's open to gigs in the Lower Mainland. Or open to everything. You're open to everything. That's <laughs> awesome. That's great. Is there anything else that you really want to you wanna pass on to the listeners of Journey to Worthy? We really appreciate you coming and sharing your your journey to Thank Worthy. You. you know? Yeah. There's a light inside everyone and, and you know, really, it's really all about learning to love that light, that special a contribution that you have. Mm. You know, you do have a contribution. You are important. You are, you are worthy. You are valuable. And, um, to lead with your best self, you know? Yeah. That reminds me of that song, This is the Light of Mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Excellent. And uh, anyone that's out there, thank you again for listening and tuning in. Please check out the show notes at journeytoworthy.com. That's journey number two worthy.com. Uh, feel free to check out the Facebook page, same name as well, or uh, reach out to me on Instagram. I reply to all my DMs, and that's username at journey number two Jeremy. That's journey to Jeremy. And yeah, have a great rest of your week, everyone. Bye. Right on the floor, that's where my body stays. So when I get low, that's where we're going. If you shall find me, then do not get in.